Visionaries Global Media, your number one source for podcasting entertainment. Good, bad, good, bad, good, bad, good. Hi, welcome to the debuting Good Cop, Bad Cop baseball podcast. Um, I'm going to introduce the guest straight away. It's not Matt Willis. <laughs> I finally broke the chains free. I've been trying for years and years to get a podcast without him, and I finally managed to do it. High five, Tom. How are you doing, sir? I am great, my friend. I am super stoked. I've never been part of a, a debut episode that wasn't my own, uh, so I'm pretty excited about this, and uh, something that we're both pretty passionate about, and uh, something different you know, than we usually talk about, so... Absolutely. I've said multiple times over years that wrestling should never have been my podcast. It should have been baseball. And I kind of want to just give a little outline for people that don't know why why is why good cop, bad cop uh, baseball? Well, Jackson started to do um, a sports podcast and it's called JGB Sports. But for the first 11 episodes, it has been baseball Um, and it's been predominantly college baseball, which was definitely not the route I thought we were going to go. But we've had an absolute blast doing it. I am aware at some point, though, he's going to say, I want to talk about whatever. Once football season hits, we're going to be talking football. Or him and his brother are going to be talking football. I'm going to try and delegate at that point. (laughs) And I'm like, I'm enjoying this baseball stuff. I'm enjoying looking up college stuff. I'm enjoying looking up minor league stuff. I'm much more invested in Major League Baseball right now. And I start my summer holiday for two months tomorrow. I was like, this sounds like the perfect time to try this. Like, if we can get eight episodes in see how it goes. We have a format. The format for Good Cop, Bad Cop Wrestling works fine. I was like, I'm sure it would work for baseball. Um, I like the idea that you don't have to be super knowledgeable. Um, you can just have, if you've got your four moments, that's that's good. That's, that's all you kind of need. There's always something good going on in baseball. There's always something bad going in baseball. I thought it might just be the perfect opportunity uh, to have a chat as well, which I missed the opportunity to do it. One of the big things why I came back to America was I had no one to talk American sports with. I could talk football, but I had no one to talk baseball with. I have a, a long-term sub in my building right now who's a Red Sox fan. And every day, we, that's one of our first things in the morning. Hey, did you see the game last night? And we have a couple of minutes chat, and then we'll often talk again at lunch. And I suddenly realized, like, oh, my gosh, I'm not going to do that for two months. I don't know if I can do that. And also, I know I can't talk to Jackson about certain things because he's he's still learning the game. Like, there's no point asking him the intricacies of the game or asking him, like, who's your favorite shortstop of all time? Because he's not going to have an answer to that. But I do know that there's plenty of people out there on the Internet who do have questions like that. So I wanted to I was like, yeah, I want to talk more baseball. So it sounded like the perfect idea. I knew you were a big Brewers fan, and you're, you're, I'm going to say you're sporting the jersey. We're all dressed up for this thing. I'm wearing my classic 75 uh, World Series Boston jersey uh, with your Stremski on the back. You've got your own personalized Brewers jersey there. Yes, the, the classic 82 uh, Brewers pinstripe. Um, mm-hmm. well, it, was like, it was like 78 to 87 or like 92, something like that. But, I mean, 82 is the year they went to the World Series, uh, the one time they went to the World Series. And uh, the one time they made the playoffs in my lifetime before 2008, but we'll get into that later. So, One thing I'm definitely going to be doing is, and you just came from a podcast that went for nearly three hours. So we started just a few minutes late. I am definitely making this um, a baseball theme thing. I actually watched some baseball before we came on air. I watched a little bit of the Red Sox game. I watched a little bit of the Brewers game. I got drinks. I got snacks. The only thing I'm upset about is I did not get any Cracker Jack. I am definitely getting some Cracker Jack for the next one. I'm going to go as baseball-related as possible. 
Well, I don't know if you can tell because it's worn out now, but I've got my brew, uh, my Bob Uecker, uh souvenir uh, soda cup that I drink out of every day. So, How many years old is that? That is very faded. Well, it's pretty fun. So this is probably from 05, but I actually just got it out of storage, what, so I'm trying, maybe six, seven months ago. So okay. all this wearing hair is just since, probably since November. Okay. Yeah. Somewhere in storage, and I'm good about this, when I first left the States in 2002, I was living with an English family for a little while, and um, I couldn't get everything back to England with me. There was just too much stuff. And they're like, well, we're moving back to England like six months' time. Just leave it with us. We'll ship it along with our stuff, and then you can come get it. I was like, great. So I had a lot of, I was like, what's not important, but I kind of want. And mostly it was base, it was souvenirs. It was bobbleheads. It was sporting stuff, et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, moved back to England, caught up with them like a year later. And they're like, yeah, we had some problems. Like, it's not over yet. It'll be here soon. Anyway, 20 years later, I've never got that stuff. I know that there's all those classic cups from the Charlotte Hornets and things like that. And I'm like, oh, those first baseball stadiums I went to, because I saved all that stuff. I was like, I don't, <sighs> don't know ever what happened to it. After a while, it was like, I'm not even asking. Like, there's nothing of that much value in there. It's all sentimental value. It would be wonderful. I would pay money to, if, if someone said, hey, look, you can have it. It's going to cost you $500. I would pay $500 straight away just to find, because it would be like, what are they called when you bury them in the ground? The, ca- the time capsules. It's basically a time capsule from when I was first in the States. And I'd be really interested to see what did I think was important uh, that perhaps 20 years later might not be. Or what kind of iconic stuff is in there. Yeah, I honestly don't remember. I, I have no idea. And one thing I do know that was in there was an inflatable Miami Dolphins chair. <laughs> I do remember that. It was so tacky. I was like, I got to get that. It's got like cup holders in it and everything. I was like, this is my chair for watching sports in. Um, but besides that, yeah, I really don't remember at all. Um, I did want to ask you, and I'm not sure if I'm going to do this with... Uh, oh, the other thing I didn't mention at the start as well. Um, I deliberately didn't want a permanent co-host for this uh, show. I wanted to rotate people in because I think that people... For baseball, you normally have your favorite team. So when I talked to you, I was like, hey, you're probably going to want to talk about the Brewers. I'm good with that. And when I talk to somebody else, they might want to talk about the Yankees. And when I talk to somebody else, they might want to talk about the Cubs. And I think that's great. I, I know there's going to be people who listen to this who are not baseball fans at all. So I thought for that reason alone, it would be good to get a variety of um, different opinions in there. So tell us, um, what was your first game? How did you get into baseball? Kind of give us your little, why are you a baseball fan still? Um, that's in the, I don't know if it's really, I, it's funny that you say that. Um, so my first baseball m- memories that I remember, remember, were the 87 Brewers. Uh, they started off 13-0. and 0, um, And I was actually at game 13. Uh, my dad was on Good Morning America um, after a couple drinks in, talking about how the Brewers going to go 162 and 0 um, down at, at Comiskey Park. I still have not been able to find that clip. Uh, oh. I, I'd love to find it somewhere, um, you know. And I'm not, I'm not sure if that was my first because it's, it's weird. I, I remember that season like it was yesterday, but I don't remember anything before that, which is weird. But I like, I walked into '87. Knowing all the players, um, I had this weird blank spot before that. Um, so I do think game 13 was my first game. Uh, my dad was lucky enough. He, um, he had four tickets, um, season tickets behind home plate. Uh, that's back when you could get, you know, season tickets for $25 a piece. You know, and it was still baseball fans. Uh, that was still Milwaukee County Stadium. Uh, so it was really, you know, it was probably just really my dad. You know, was a big baseball fan, and it sounds like from what my mom says, 
my grandfather, who was a train engineer, he passed away way before I was born. But it sounds like he was a baseball fan. Uh, but also, um, you know, my dad was always a big fan of the radio, so we listened to a lot of stuff on the radio. So you throw it on the TV, especially in, like, the national football coverage. I mean, we had Max McGee, uh, you know, doing the, the Packer games, but the national guys. But then the Brewers radio, we had this guy, Bob Uecker, which you yeah. see here. Uh, but this is a talking bobblehead, so <laughs> I don't know if you can hear that or not. Oh, I can hear it. Yeah, it's got a bunch of, uh, I mean, growing up listening to Bob Beaker baseball, um, it, there, there's nothing better. You know, that's that's one of the first things I noticed when I moved out to Idaho, because obviously you're not picking up, you know, terrestrial radio um, all the way from Milwaukee out in Idaho. Um, you know, he was actually neighbors with my aunt, and my aunt knows him really well. Um, well I've talked to him a couple times, but yeah, just being able to, Bob Beaker's really, I mean, the reason I like, I love baseball. So if you ever get a chance to, and the guy's still doing it. It's crazy. Yeah. You know? So, I mean, he only does um, right now. He'll do a couple cup games on the road, but he does probably about 80% only home games. You know, but I mean, he's 82 years old. You know, yeah. so. Yeah. Um, I've, this is the first year in a long time I've actually got the MLB TV package. And the only reason I got it is because it was free with my uh, phone company this year. I was like, oh, great. Um, I actually normally get the audio package. I'm quite happy listening to games because I can do that while I'm doing other stuff. Like I put an earbud in and I can do get on with my day, do other stuff. I know it's normally at night, but I can walk. I can watch TV. I can I can I can multitask while I'm doing that. So, um, yeah, that's one of the classic names you said right there. Now, I might get this wrong because this is where my knowledge gets very weak, but I'm trying to link this in for people who are not such fans. Isn't Bob Uka, Bob Uka, I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing it wrong, the person that's in um, uh, Major League? He is Harry Doyle, the classic Major League, which was also filmed at Milwaukee County Stadium. Um, you know, unfortunately, I was supposed to be at the last scene of that. But yeah, he's he's the infamous Harry Doyle. Um, in that movie. How did you miss? How did you not get that? Yeah, so they said a casting call. My dad was going to take me and my mom. Um, yeah, and I just got sick and I, I missed it. Oh. So. I had a chance to be at that. Um, I, I mentioned it on Good Cop, Bad Cop. There was some uh, wrestling show that they were filming. Uh, sorry, a wrestling film that they were, and they needed people in the crowd. And I would have loved to have got up there, but they needed people too early. I just couldn't get up there in time. I was like, ah. Oh. Yeah. But yeah, one of those. Uh, yeah, one of those things. Now, while I was listening to the commentary for the Brewers game today, I found something out that I didn't know because I've been to Miller Park and I didn't realize it's not Miller Park anymore. I can't remember what it is. American Family Field or something. It was a really strange name. Yeah, it's a merit. I call it the park formerly named Miller. Um, <laughs> kind of working on it. Um, being an employee, they're actually not too bad, but I'll get into it a little bit later. Uh, but yeah, now it's just American Family Field. You okay. Know, huh. um, it's not the worst name. I just, I mean, I get it. You sell them, you know. Unfortunately, when you get to that level, it's about money. It's baseball's all about money. Um, sure, sure. And it's huge rights. Um, but Miller Park, I mean, because well, Miller is Milwaukee because Miller Beer is, you know, yeah. located in, and it's it doesn't sound like a corporate stadium, you know, like some of these stadiums yeah. are just ridiculous. And you know, American Family Field's not bad, but you know, and uh, for for um for the good cop bad coppers out there that don't realize, I'm actually a Milwaukee Brewers employee. Um, it's nearly as fancy as that sounds. Um, I'm like to say I've. Uh, if anybody listened to my episodes with my buddy Mike and my buddy John, um, but actually, granted, did you guys ever listen to that episode I did with my buddy Mike that's a football baseball player? 
You told me to. I tracked it down, and then I don't know what happened. It was at the weekend, and then I don't get doing other stuff, and then I don't remember. I need to go back and listen to it. I got two months. I, I will. I'll make sure I track it down. Yeah, and I'm not trying to put you on the spot. I swear. Oh no, no, no. You and Jackson really. I intended to listening to it. You told me about it. I was like, yeah, that's exactly the type of stuff I like to listen to. And then yeah, I, yeah, in one ear and out the other ear. Yeah, show it to my buddy Mike. He's a semi um semi pro ball player, and will actually be part of my good cop speed check later. Um, but yeah, it was a lot of fun, just like the ins and outs of baseball, you know, and the baseball playing, he's just, he's semi-pro, he does it part-time, uh, but we work together at the Brewers, and I sit on there, and with my uh, conversation with John, I said, I mean, we're not, we're not even on the totem pole, we're under the totem pole, you know, um, after three years, and some of my supervisors actually know my name by now, but, um, but it's, it's a fun job, you know, I don't do it necessarily for the money, because there's not a lot of, but I mean, like I, we've talked about, it. I literally get to hang out in the stadium sometimes because you know I have a day job, and yeah. I, and, um, and I do event setup, so they have different you know events throughout the stadium and everything. And there's nights where it's me and the two security guards in the whole stadium, and there's not a lot of people in the, on the planet that get to sit in an empty baseball stadium by themselves. Yeah. Well, you know, I've got my certain seat up in the terrace level. You know, I'll just take it in. I'll, I'll you know I'll take my break up there. I'll throw on a podcast and I'll just sit there. I'm like. You know, so I'm a dork for stuff like that. So, you know, and I got and I was working this weekend and I got to hang out in the visitors' locker room. So, hmm. now I got two questions. One, when did American Family Field take over the naming? I, if it's not this season, I'm, I'm obviously oblivious. And two, what actually is that company? Because I would not. It just sounds like a generic. If you ask somebody from Britain, I think they would just think that's just a generic stadium name. I don't think they'd even realize it's sponsorship. Wow, um, that's funny. So you are definitely from the East Coast. So it was last year. Um, okay. Unfortunately, Miller Park did not get its last year um, because last year of Miller Park was during the pandemic. Yeah. Uh, but no, American Family is an insurance company. Oh, it is? Yeah. Yeah, so uh, yeah it's funny because, um, yeah, because what was it? One of the Bears quarterbacks was a sponsor for American Family. And American uh, and Aaron Rodgers was sponsor for uh, State Farm, which is based out Chicago. So it's kind of mm-hmm. how they flip flop. But um, yeah, no, they're a big car insurance company here in Wisconsin. So it's American. Oh, okay. I had no idea when I heard that mentioned. The other thing that's a bit of a downer for me is, and I guess I should I can link, link this in actually with my story as well. I'm only obviously going to tell it on episode one. Um, my first baseball game was the uh, Colorado Rockies versus the New York Mets, and it was the summer of uh, 2001. So I arrived in the States 2000. I was traveling around. Um, I, I'd visited some stadiums and done tours, but I hadn't actually seen a game at that point. And we were traveling around the country. It happened to be in Denver. I was like, perfect. My high stadium. Like, I know that area. I was like, let me go see a Rockies game. I'd probably see Rocky Mountains from the stadium. And yeah, you can. So uh, Mike Hampton had just signed his big contract for the Mets at that point. <laughs> so I was there. And with it being Coors Field, I had a Coors beer there. And that became my rule. And I didn't know at that point that I was going to get around and visit every stadium, which I can't claim right now, but I could in 2004. Um, it was like, if it's named after a, a beer, I'm going to have a beer in a stadium. And that's the only time I ever have a beer in a stadium. I don't normally drink beers in a stadium because it's expensive to do that. Uh, but at Miller Park, I had a Miller because it made sense to do that. So that'll be something I won't be able to. Well, I could still do it, obviously, but I will probably choose not to next time I go to American Family Field. Well, I mean, there is the Lion Kugels Lodge in American Family Field, so you could have a Lion Kugels, which is another Wisconsin beer. But um, when were you in Miller Park? Um, I've been a couple of times. Um, the last time I was there was probably about 2000 and 
2010, 2011, something like that. Um, I was back from, I, I was back in, in Virginia at this point. I, I left for three years because I was, I had my job back in England, I had my house in England. So me and my wife went back there, sorted out my affairs and we came back again. And a good buddy knew I'd like to travel around, see different stadiums. And he was like, hey, you know, like the Nationals have opened a new stadium, right? The Mets have opened up a new stadium, uh, the, all the differences. So he proposed a tour at one point. He said, how about going up to the new Minnesota Twin Stadium and then going to uh, Lambeau Field and seeing um, the Green Bay Packers do i don't even know what it is it's like a scrimmage or something it wasn't even like a preseason friendly i was like i would love to go and do that so i picked him up actually i picked him up from chicago so we saw a, a cubs game we went up to the twins or a twins game went across i think i'm getting this the right order yeah uh we saw the the green bay packers get that green bay packers game was insane we got there i think three four hours before you couldn't move i can't even imagine what it would be like for an actual game or a playoff game this was nothing this was a scrimmage i think it's into i think it's into squad scrimmage i think yeah. it was crazy yeah. i absolutely loved doing that um saw a brewers game and then we came back and saw a white Sox game and actually this will help me to figure out what the time is i, I can't do it without googling it but when we came back it was a rod's first game back after he'd been banned for however many games it was for drugs abuse or whatever and there was cameras everywhere for this game we just happened to have tickets ahead of time and just happened to be in town on that one night and every time he came up to bat it was boo, <laughs> boo! <laughs> everyone was booing as loud as they could um so that would be the memorable thing so that will say the year but i don't remember what year it was i think 2010 sounds about the right sort of era yeah because that was actually uh he hit his 400th home run in um in Miller Parks, and I was actually there for that game, so that's funny. Yeah, you didn't even call me, Graham. I mean, you know, <laughs> this uh, this predates uh, Visionaries Global Media uh, by a long time. Um, I know I did send a picture to uh, Chad at one point because I do have a picture with um, uh, Bernie Brewer. I remember that. Nice. Yeah. So, so, um, well, yeah. now I've got uh, I've got special access. I mean, next time you guys are in town, if you want a, a tour of the stadium, an empty stadium. You know, I'm just throwing that out there for you. I, I love that stuff. I don't think I've actually done a tour of, uh, I was about to say Miller Park. I don't think I've done a tour there before. I, I, if, I, if I can, obviously I go to games and sometimes they'll do, if they'll do tours early in the morning and then you can see the game at night and some like, no, no, if it's on the same day, you're not doing it. I think Toronto, I want to say it was Toronto. It was either Toronto or Houston, which I know are miles and miles apart from each other. But it was, you did the tour and then as the tour finished, they were like, all right, if you walk through this door, Show us your ticket, and then you can go straight into your seats. So they literally were still doing tours minutes before. I don't think you got to go into the like the home team dressing room or anything like that. But. Um, yeah, I've never actually taken the, the organized tour, but Diesel took it last year, I think, just before uh, for Benji came out, and uh -huh. he loved it. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, listen, I mean, he got some he got some bad facts from somebody, but that's not <laughs> himself. Because, um, yeah, there's this big, there's this, I'm going to call out whoever this was, so I'm glad Diesel told me this, because there's a, because when they were building Miller Park, um, they yeah. had a crane, and uh, the crane fell over, and three guys died, three iron workers oh, died. Uh, so there's a big statue out in front of the stadium and everything, but mm. in, uh, behind the statue, there's this big plaque with all the iron workers that built built the stadium, and then the tour guide said, yeah, it's all the employees that have worked for the brewers, I'm like, no, it's the iron workers that built the stadium in knob. 
So. Now, I'm not sure, but I think the last stadium tour I did was uh, the Pirates at uh, Christmas 2019, because I think it would have been before before COVID hit. And I took the boys there as well. We were supposed to do something in the summer. And my car broke down. I was like, hey, don't worry about it. Because we had to, we were like, sorry, guys, we've got to leave. We've got to get this fixed. Anyway, so I said, we'll come back. We'll come back. And then when we were up in Ohio, it's like a two-hour drive. We'll, we'll do it. We'll do it. have a whole day there. And we did. Um, we did the tour. Actually, it might have, perhaps it was in the summer. Anyway, 2019. We walked around. The, they took us into the clubhouse. Um, I noticed some alcohol in the clubhouse. <laughs> like, it was clear. I was like, because they were like, you can ask any questions. I'm like, um, what's that up there? And you could see the look on their face and other people were like, that looks like that's, <laughs> I can't remember if it was spirits. I think it was a bottle of whiskey or something. Yeah. And um, anyway, we were quickly ushered out at that point. And I was like, I think somebody might be in a bit of trouble there. I'm pretty sure in Major League Baseball stadiums, you're not allowed to have alcohol in the clubhouse. I, I think. I know that the, I remember the Red Sox got into big trouble for that because the players were considered not taking the game seriously. Um, t- that basically cost Terry Francona his job in the end. Huh. I can't remember which player it was, but yeah, people were taking like nips from drinks in between uh, in between innings and things like that. I know for, it's different for the 2004 one because that was like the cowboy up, hey, we're going to have a drink and then we're going to be jolly and then we're going to go and play the game. And But I think by the time it was 2013, it was uh, frowned upon a little bit more. Interesting, yeah. So, yeah, because I guess with the Miller Park, I'm just gonna keep calling it Miller Park because it's for <laughs> no, please. And I just stopped calling it Milwaukee County Stadium like six years ago. So. <laughs> um, and it opened in 2001. Um, but yeah, I guess you get in the press box, I guess you get the visitors clubhouse, uh, you get to walk the um, the warning track, mm-hmm. um, you know, so you can do the whole jumping against the stadium. So, yeah, do you so it was pretty cool. Nice. Um, um, was, yeah, and then I've got access to like some like some of the fancy because they got some of the fancier like suites and stuff like that. Um, they've got a bar area that you can rent out and stuff like that. So and we do a lot of setups in there. So mm-hmm. uh, and like I said, just having a stadium to yourself. Um, yeah. You know, unless it, yeah, it's I couldn't get us into the locker rooms, but I mean I could definitely you know walk around the stadium. So. Um, oh, I'm a sucker for all that stuff. I, I love that whenever I get the chance. The first stadium tour I ever did was. Uh, Christmas 2000, because I had friends in Dallas, and um, A-Rod had just signed for the Rangers at that point, and $252 billion is, uh, sorry, million dollars, is a lot of of money now, but 20 years ago, that was like an, an insane amount of money, a quarter of a billion dollars for a player just to do sport. And um, I was like, sure, I want to go see. They will ask me, like, do you want to go see the stadium? I was like, absolutely. I definitely want to go see the stadium. And they were messing with me because I was a Brit. I knew nothing about baseball at that time, pretty much. I've been only following the sport for like three, four months. I knew very little. And they're making jokes like, of course, like um, Alex Rodriguez is uh, related to Ivan Rodriguez. I'm like, oh, he is? I was like, oh, I didn't know that. And then they go, no, 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 no. We just messed around with that. That's not true. Like, okay. And then the idiot Brit asks, like, uh, what's this thing here? And then the guy goes, oh, that's the foul pole and explains what it is i'm like oh my god when i was stood right up next to it i was probably about two feet away from it and all i could see was this yellow post i was like what the heck i didn't ring anyway so i ended up looking like an idiot but the part of the tour that was cool was they were had the locker room and you could kind of go in there and a rod's seat was there and i was like can i sit in like his chair and he's like yeah absolutely go ahead we, we can take a picture for you and i was like oh my god so i'm gonna sit on the chair that a rod's gonna sit in for his season next year and there was a press release, I think, either on the chair or nearby. And they were like, hey, do you want the press release as well? I was like, absolutely. I definitely want the press release. So that kind of got me hooked. A-Rod was my player. 
and then he joined the Yankees. I got his autograph as well. I hate him now. I can't stand him. Yeah, he was my first star that I kind of really catched on to, and he became a Yankee, and then I had to hate him. And then he took drugs, and it was uh, vilified at that point. Yeah, well, I mean, it's not like he's the only one. I mean, in Milwaukee, on so I mean, um, uh-huh. yeah. he started off actually uh, in Appleton, Wisconsin, because at the time, yeah, the Timber Rattlers were uh, the Seattle Mariners. Um, huh? Arms, yeah. So he went, you went through there, so. Uh, this is kind of an off question, but baseball related. Uh, do you think we'll see a billion dollar contract before we die? Um, I would have thought so. I would have thought so. We're already up to 400, 500. Like, it's not that much of a leap before that. I, I'm hoping I can live that long. I, I don't I think it'll happen. Yeah. I'm I, surprised in the next 20 years if that didn't happen. Yeah. The money that's going into the, the way inflation's going could happen quicker than we think. Yeah. I mean, it's. It's I mean, listen, I remember, I mean, as a kid, um, you know, I'm not sure how in tune you were, like, in the 80s or anything, but, yeah, I can't, gosh, I remember who, what, Robin Yelp was one of the first players to sign for a million dollars, and that was, like, a big deal. And now, like, you know, not like the ball boys, no, I'm looking at ball boys aren't getting a million dollars, but, I mean, you know, your third string catcher is getting a million dollars a year, so. I can relate it to soccer. The first million-dollar transfer was uh, Trevor Francis. I think it was 1979. And now the record is uh, Neymar when he moved to Paris Saint-Germain. It was like nearly $200 million, uh, within the space of 35 years, I think it was. So from $1 million to yeah, 20, uh, $200 million in that period of time. So could I imagine going to a billion? Sure. That, I know that's in terms, I know yours deals are in terms of wages, um, whereas on in terms of how much you pay for a player. But it's kind of that similar progression. I, I Yeah, I think that barrier will get smashed through eventually. Wait, the highest played soccer players are only making $200? Not paid, not paid. That was the amount a club paid to get that player on their team. Oh. See, American sports are very different from, uh, from European sports in that way. Like, when we get players, you buy the player. Here, it's always trades. Like, <laughs> you trade draft. Because we don't have drafts or anything like that. So you can trade draft picks. You can trade other players. You can put people from your farm system. And you put you put together a package and you swap players around that way. In England or in Europe, you just buy a player. Liverpool just signed a player this week for £85 million, eventually. So it'll work out probably about $110, $120 million, I'm guessing, somewhere around that figure, um, once it's all said and done. And that's just for the rights to the player. That does not include their wages. Wow. So, um, yeah, when you add it all up, then you do start to get some of those mega deals. So, yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's certainly possible we'll get to that. Hey, I just realized this is Matt's going to love this. I always talk, tell him he's going on way too long. This introduction, we're nearly at half an hour. We haven't, <laughs> we haven't even started yet. Hey, well, I propose that we better do some good cop moments or else we're going to be going for another three hour podcast. I was going to say last time we did a podcast, it was three hours. So. <laughs> Hey, we should do the plug. Go check it out. It's on SoundCloud. It's on all podcasts. Visionaries Global Media. Uh, High Five Tom and I talking about Die Hard. We talked for longer than the movie went on. I don't know how that was possible, but we did it. Good. Bad. Well, this is the real litmus test. Let's see if the format works, Tom. What is your main good cop moment of the baseball week? Well, um, I wasn't planning when, when Graham originally um, asked me to do this to make this so Brewer-centric, uh, but there was a big deal. Um, and actually, this is going to be my good cop and bad cop, but I'll wait for bad cop later. But it is uh, Craig Council breaking the Brewers manager's win record. Um, hmm. he's now got the most wins in Brewers history at 563. 
Um, for, and it's, it's, a, it's a good, you know, good old boy. Uh, comes home. He's from Whitefish Bay, Wisconsin. Uh, went to Dominican High School. Um, he was drafted by, he, I can't remember where to college, um, but yeah, he won a ring with the Marlins. Uh, very missed for being that guy that jumped 15 feet in the air when he hit home plate for the 90. Scored the winning run in 97. Uh, was on base for the winning run in 2001 for the, the Diamondbacks, uh, but did play for the Brewers for a while. Um, and very infam- uh, infamously, I was not a fan when they first signed him. Um, hmm. You know, I was like, I mean, I, I was a big Kirk Council fan, but as manager, it seemed like, because he had only been retired for a couple years. Um, yeah. you know, he was taking over a 7-20 and 20 team. I uh, was living out, and I know he was replacing Ron Renneke, who had just um, taken the Brewers the probably the best Brewers team of all time, the 2011 team um, at that time. And uh, I was not a fan of the move, but uh, reason 420, why Tom is not a major league baseball general manager, because I was wrong. So 563 uh, wins later, and uh, he is currently um, fourth in winning percentage uh, overall. Um, the tops is Dale Swain. Dale Swain was only manager for 12 games after Ned Yost in 2008. Uh, but Harvey Keene was uh, – the Brewers were really good. In the, the, um, obviously, 82 is the only time they made the, the play or the World Series. Uh, but those late 70s, early 80s teams, we had Paul Mahler, uh, Jim Gantner, you know, Robin Yelm were the were the base. Um, but Pete Vukovic, uh, the C- Cecil Coopers. Um, so Harvey Keene's second. And, uh, but, I mean, he actually managed, you know, a solid chunk of games. And then Buck Rogers was here for a little while. Um, he's at 549 at 124 and 102. But yeah, Craig Council. Um, yeah, he is 563 and 507 with a 526 winning percentage. So, yeah, you know, and just uh, yeah, it, it was a big deal. Um, you know, the the good boy comes home. He had uh, beaten uh, Scrap Iron Phil Garner, who was the previous number one, and then one of my personal favorites, Ned Yost, was number two. So yeah. I'm surprised it's so few. I'm going to be not that 560 is a small number, but considering you play 160 games a season. So I'm trying to think like if you could get like even if you want happy games, 80 games, seven seasons, you'd be about that. That means you've got a pretty quick turnover up there then. No, yeah. Not every team, obviously, you get 500. Some years you have obviously worse than that. I would have thought that there would have been some coach during the however long the Brewers have been existed as a franchise um, that they would have had more than that at some point. Oh, it's, I mean, Wisconsin, I mean, the Brewers are pretty infamous. I mean, infamously bad. I mean, at one point, like I said, the Brewers went with the World Series in 1982. We did not make the playoffs again until 2008. It was oh, 26 years. Wow. That's a long time. We were the second, at the time, we were the second longest franchise in Major League Sports. That includes yeah. all four to not make the playoffs. Um, wow. Okay, well, I guess when you put it that way, that kind of... Uh, I, I've seen some really, really, really bad baseball. Now, it's an era when I am i don't know much. Like, 80s to 2000s, that's definitely my weakest spot of all. Like, if you go back classics, 20s, 30s, 40s, like, I know those players much better because they kind of... They're just icons now. But that 80s, to, they weren't quite... I guess when I started watching baseball, it wasn't old enough that they were icons. Uh, but it was just... They just weren't playing that type of thing again on your ESPN classics or anything like that. So I missed. But no, when you mention names like Robin Yon, like I know that straight away. Like I know he's a Hall of Famer. I'm going to guess he had 3,000 hits. Does that sound about right? Yep. Um, I've heard from Bob Uecker. Yeah. 
And um, one of my, I don't want to say a favorite story, but um, I think it's his brother, Larry, who um, it's exact polar opposites. Now, you're pulling a face right now. So do you know the story of Larry Yont? No. All right. So he um, he was a pitcher. I'm not sure which team. Uh, he warmed up, injured himself in the warm up, uh, got pulled from the game, never played a major league game. Really? That's- like uh, that's a real extreme. Um, it's from a song from the group called the Baseball Project, and it kind of talks about when the well, like his nephews are talking, and obviously Robin's talking about, well, I want to will, I was in a World Series, like I got three thousand hits, I'm in the Hall of Fame, and then it's like, all right, Uncle Larry, tell us about your sport. <laughs> like, well, how to get to play a game? Um, that's really, that's really unfortunate. Obviously, just to make it onto a mound of a, a major league team is huge. Like that's a that's a there's not many people that can even say that. But then to get injured and then never get that opportunity to again, it's probably one of the one of the tragic stories in baseball, I guess. But, yeah. yeah, and um, so he, he's coming up on the longest tenured manager. Uh, but the person, he, but I want you to keep in mind the person he beat, Phil Garner. Phil Garner's career record was five sixty three and six seventeen. He was fifty four games below five hundred. Mm-hmm. Uh, but and also with that though, keep in mind, yes, the Brewers were bad, um, especially in 2002 um, under Davy Lopes. They went 56 and 106. Oh gosh, that's yeah. one of the worst records of all time. Yeah, they they were really really, and actually, I, I could go on for that for a while. Um, <laughs> but I mean, this was before the wild cards. Um, yeah. You know, and you got to remember in the 80s, less just two teams. Less they had two divisions and they played for the pennant, so only four teams made it. You know, and then the 92 team went 92 and 70 was really good and just missed the playoffs with that same system. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, between, yeah, and actually they went, they went, um, so yeah, it was 13 years without even being above 500. So, wow. And I was there at most of those games too. That was right in my wheelhouse. So that's kind of, you get that age when you can go to games by yourself. And, um, and the funny thing about that is, I know we're, we keep rambling, so I'll keep it short. Um, so in 2007, the Brewers were really good. We had Prince Fielder, we had Bill Hall, J.J. Hardy, Ricky Weeks, uh, Giovanni Gallardo was our pitcher. I thought this was the year, it's 25 years. I went to 32 Brewer games that year, Graham. I caught a series, a game in every series. They missed the playoffs by two games. I moved to Idaho. My first summer away from home, they make the bleeping playoffs for the first <laughs> time since I was five years old. <laughs> I was sitting in a kitchen in the last day watching on the internet. Oh, it was so funny. So, yeah. Oh, that's brutal. So I'm just realizing that whole area then was like, it was in a real doldrums for baseball. Like, I'm thinking like early 2000s. Because I know when the Red Sox won the World Series in 2007. I think that's right. Uh, White Sox won in 2008. And that was like the first time they'd won a World Series in... I don't even remember. It's like 80 years or something. It was like a really long streak. Obviously, the 19, Cubs broke. I think it was the 1919 Black Sox was the last time they won the World Series, I think. Oh, did I get that wrong then? I could have. Uh... Oh, yeah. So it was 1980. Oh, You're right. So it was even more then, in that yeah. case then. Yeah, it was close to 90 years. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then obviously, the Cubs won in, I don't know, exact year, 2000 and. Um, so that was like, obviously, that was the famous one because that was over 100 years and they were known as the doormat of the National League, I think. There's like a whole thing. Like, they didn't make the World Series since 45. Oh, sorry, they didn't win a pennant since 45. Um, There's like so many things. There's like so many things. They were just constantly. Um, yeah, so I just suddenly realized that whole area, like the Illinois, Wisconsin area, 
It yeah. was like team sub 500 for year after year after year, probably. Well, yeah, the Cleveland Indians, too, until Major League came out, were bad for a really long time. Um, it was really just the Twins. Well, and the Royals got really bad after they won in 85. The Cardinals are just the Cardinals. I hate the Cardinals, but they're a great organization. Um, but those Twins teams, too, in the, in the early 90s, you had Kirby Puckett yeah. you know, and uh, Ken Herbeck. I mean, they won a couple World Series. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good cop moment. Is uh, yeah, Craig Council is now the has the most wins. He's got a much better winning percentage, Um, and he's actually also um, the Brewers before 2017. Uh, So Faith and I got married October 5th, 2017. At the time, the Brewers had made the playoffs four times in their franchise history, Mm -hmm. and Faith makes a great decision and says yes. And now the Brewers have made the playoffs four years in a row since then. So wow, yeah. So Craig Council is also, I mean, the playoff winning. So uh-huh. Yeah. But, yeah, I've still not been to a playoff game because we always go a trip for our anniversary. So, <laughs> so in 2018, they made that big run. We were in Peru. So, uh, It happens. It happens. Hopefully, there'll be more opportunities. Hopefully. Hopefully. Um, my good cop moment is um, I want to talk about college baseball, which is something I had literally no interest in at all until this year. Like for people that don't follow American sports, like college football is huge. Um, I don't think if people in Britain necessarily realize how big college football is, like they understand the NFL, but they don't realize that Saturday is like a big deal for a lot of people. Uh, for me, college basketball was one I had no idea about. But when you when you live in North Carolina and you got teams like UNC, Duke, NC State, um, there's obviously ACC action. You realize that college basketball is a huge thing. I never really understood college baseball. I knew that there was the World Series in Omaha, and it's something I said, oh, I'd always like to go to, but I knew nothing about it. The only thing I knew about it is the fact that I sometimes watched a bit of the draft just to see, like, who the Red Sox might pick up, and that was pretty much it. And until the start of April, where Jackson and I went to a Coppin State um, play ball event, watched one of their games, and then was suddenly like, oh, let's start watching Coppin State. Now we know a few of the players, and um, we followed them through all the way to the NCAA, and I'll do a cheap plug for the JGB Sports Podcast. Our last episode actually just talked about their first trip to the NCAA tournament in their history, which was like a super time just to pick up, follow that team. Uh, first time they won the conference, uh, first time that they made it to the NCAA. Uh, it was a really cool two months following that team around, getting to know the players a little bit. Um, and that's kind of the Cinderella story. And they were kind of the Cinderella story in that very first round. And um, I want to talk about today, though, the next Cinderella story in many ways. Um, Tennessee, the number one seed, um, the only team that had won 50 games um, when you looked at the seeds, like I think the top seed was Tennessee number one. Like the teams after that, I think only two teams even had 40 game season wins. And then the next one was like 30, some high 30s, 39. So they were like so far ahead. I think it was 53 and seven. I should have written it down, which is ridiculous. Um, they were just super dominant, um, expecting to kind of go all the way. And um, they didn't. Uh, Notre Dame, um, whose only college World Series appearances prior to this were 1957 and 2002. Um, the Super Regionals are a best of three series as well. So um, Notre Dame defeated Tennessee on Friday, meaning that Tennessee had to go back to back. Tennessee defeated Notre Dame 12 to four on Saturday. Uh, through six innings on Sunday, Tennessee led three to one. Uh, a two-run homer from David LaManna tied it at 3-3. Jack Brannigan hit a so 
solo shot, and then they had three more runs in the eighth, and that was it. Game over. Uh, Tennessee is out. Uh, Notre Dame is moving on, like I said, for only the third time in their history. Um, people outside of America might not realize Notre Dame is definitely not really known for baseball. Uh, mm. Definitely more known for football, for sure. Um, what did I put down on this one? Now, I also didn't realize this either. Apparently, there's a bit of a jinx um, on some of these uh, teams. Like, it sounds like the number one seed hasn't won it at all in such a long time. Um, it says the new format was implemented in 1999. I'm assuming that's the 64-team uh, tournament. Um, that year, the top overall seed was Miami, and they won it all. And no top overall seed has won the championship since. And uh, not only did Tennessee not win it, they didn't even make it to the last eight. So they are done. Um, the World Series begins on Thursday. So if we, I believe this is going to come out tomorrow. So it'll be coming out the day after if you're listening to this. And um, yeah, eight winners. It's going to be played in a double elimination format. And then uh, I believe the World Series itself, College World Series, starts on June 25th. So college baseball in general is my good cop moment but Notre Dame specifically this week for um, upsetting that number one team and I'll be interested to see if that Cinderella story can continue again that's awesome wow I had no idea so yeah this I think uh, doing this with you Graham I gotta do some more due diligence for our next episode <laughs> I'm trying to figure out, but uh like well um yeah I'll get to that in my uh my speed checks are yeah uh-huh. I'll do want to shout out um i'm really enjoying you and jackson's coverage um, thank you we're having a we're having an absolute blast doing it it was not the podcast that i thought it was going to be at all in any way shape or form but that sometimes we talked about the fact of uh, we, we love it when the tangents you never know where things are going to go and sometimes that's the highlight and for this podcast it really did go off on a tangent we were not expecting to follow we were going to do updates on coppin state but we didn't realize we were going to follow them around to delaware uh, make it down to Norfolk for that tournament. And it was so unfortunate we couldn't make it down to Greenville. Um, if it hadn't have been for me doing um, uh, graduation that weekend, I would have been down there straight away. It, it was just so much fun. Um, but yeah, and I, I really asked Jackson as well. I was like, so next year, I was like, do you want to pick a different team to follow around? Or do you just want to go see different teams? Or do you want to follow Coppin State again? He's like, I want to follow Coppin State again. I was like, okay. It's, nice. I wasn't expecting to do that, but I'm like, hey, it's it's fun following one team, um, particularly on those levels. I guess it's like, for me, you know, you obviously know I'm a big indie wrestling fan, much more than WWE and AEW. And the reason is you get to know the wrestlers much better. You right. can talk to the wrestlers, you can interact with the wrestlers. And when we go to these college games, you're a lot closer to the action. You can see the players. Jackson's chatted to some of the players. Like, he's done drills with some of the players at this event. So I can see the parallels of why this is so appealing to me, but also to him at the same time. Um, just replacing wrestling with uh, baseball right now. But, yeah, college college baseball, yeah, it's uh, it's certainly inexpensive as well, which is a, a nice thing as well at <laughs> these times. Yeah. The only game we paid for to get into was the... Um, was the uh, the MEAC tournament? Uh, that was the only one we paid, but everything else was um, yeah was free. So it's great stuff. That's yeah. That, I mean, and that's yeah, that's awesome. And I really enjoyed this. I know it wasn't really Coppin State, but just uh, um, the little blurb you guys did about Tommy John surgery and how Tommy John, mm-hmm. you know, really kind of regrets having his name on that. Yeah, surgery. yeah. It's really kind of become a default. And then just talking about the perfect game was it um, Harvey? I think it was Haddocks. Harvey Haddocks. Yeah, the 12 inning. And if I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure that was against the Milwaukee Braves. Um, oh, now I don't remember. I know it was the Pirates, but I don't remember who it was against. Yeah, I don't remember. 
I think it was, yeah. Because in the more, I mean, um, and once again, we're going off for another tangent. But I mean, Milwaukee is very rich in baseball history in general. Um, but I mean, yeah, the Milwaukee Braves of the '50s. You know, they were only here for 12 years, but they they won a World Series. You know, one of the best teams in baseball history. So. Even if I can find that game. Now, the part that I did, and that's the thing that I'm enjoying, trying to tell, um, you're right, it's against the Milwaukee Braves. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I totally missed that side of it. Like, I'm enjoying kind of sharing that history with them, but also for me, finding out things that I don't know about. I, I love the research side of it. I like just that little thing and then just going along that rabbit hole, seeing what you find out as you're going along. The part that I didn't mention about that story then was, and I can't remember who it was, Harvey was talking to a famous pitcher from another team and telling him, it's like, look, I went 12 perfect games. And sorry, I went 12 perfect innings and we didn't score a run. So I had to go into the 13th. Not only did I not get a no hitter or a perfect game, I actually ended up losing the game two to zero. And the other pitcher's response was, ah, tough shit. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, that's like a brute, no sympathy at all. Uh, but I can imagine a pitcher in the 60s going, hey, whatever. That's that's the way it goes. Yeah, you know, that, that happened, so... Um, and one thing, I, so uh, you guys haven't been to Cooperstown yet, have you? Um, I have. The boys haven't. Uh, it's definitely on our list of things to do, uh, for sure. Um, I went a long, long time ago. Um, I'm trying to think. It was probably 2004, so it's a long time since I've been. Yeah, I think I was 2010. Um, but if next time you're in, uh, if you're ever in the Kansas City area, uh, the Negro League Baseball Museum is awesome. Been there. Okay. I have been there as well. Yep. Okay. That was um, probably around that same time. And, um, yeah, actually, my uh, brother-in-law lives out in Kansas City. So um, I'm hoping at some point we can get across to there. And I would love to do that one again. But, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm really going to try and keep these tangents to a minimum. But you know how we roll, Graham. But, uh, oh, that's all no, right. I, I think yeah. that's actually – I think after only one episode, that's the rule. That there's uh, I'm not wanting to steal Chad and Diesel's. But, yeah, sidebars, as many as possible. I think that's <laughs> – I think that that's that was why I wanted to do this, because I know that some of the stuff that we're talking about, like I, I can't have that type of conversation with Jackson yet. He's right. still learning about interest and he has that inquisitive mind. And I'm trying to expose him to some of those things. But like he doesn't have that level of knowledge where I can talk about things like I can talk with you right now. So no, no, no. These sidebars, are, these sidebars are perfect. But no, I'm having fun with Jackson, finding those little stories. But it was something where I wanted to go into more depth. And I was like, to do that, I have to do Good cop, bad cop, uh, baseball, I guess. So Yeah, because yeah, uh, my mom got me a Satchel Page biography uh, for Christmas one year, so I read that, and then I was on a road trip. And, yeah, I just had that, stopping in that museum and kind of listening to those stories and everything really kind of opened my eyes. So Oh, yeah. yeah. Satchel Page, that guy, was, that guy was something else. I know Jackson would also want to go to that museum just because he knows cool Papa Bell now. And mm-hmm. uh, he, he was telling other people that story. He's like, like, he can um, – he can turn the light out and he can get into bed before the light goes out and things like that. He's like, but I can do that. It's like, you just reach out of your bed and flip the switch. Like he totally misunderstood the story, but I was like, okay, I kind of, but yeah, no, those, those stories are, they're, they're, inter- they're, they're perfect for kids. Like, yeah. you know that they're exaggerating stuff, but I think the one, the other one he remembered was, um, he hit, um, he was out because he hit a double. And as he was rounding the bases, um, he was so quick, he got hit by the ball as it was coming, as he was running around second base. Like, there's no way that could physically happen, but it, it's it's good storytelling. It makes for, I, I like that type of stuff. I like that type of stuff for sure. All right, I'm not setting the timer. I can't be bothered to set it for 90 seconds, but if you have anything else that you consider a good cop moment, let's let's do the speed check. Um, 
So it's not really necessarily a moment. It's just really Wisconsin baseball in general. Um, really kind of sticking with college baseball. But all the baseball that's in Wisconsin, obviously we've got the Brewers, and we've got two minor league teams in Beloit and in Appleton. Uh, but there's so many, like my buddy Mike's on the semi-pro team. Uh, but, yeah, there's uh, the Beloit Scark, uh, Sky Carps, uh, the Milwaukee Milkman, which I need to take my wife to. Um, you know, there's the Sh- uh, Shorewood Chinooks. There's just so much small, like, I'm just going to say indie baseball for the same thing yeah. as indie wrestling. It's the same yeah. thing as, you know, a college game. It's, you know, it's a lot cheaper, you know, and it's yeah. a lot more interactive. Um, you get to meet the players, and it's just, it's a great experience. And, um, listen, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, you don't think is a baseball hotbed, but um, it is, you know. And then my buddy Andy, uh, who I did Hunt for October with, uh, his dad played semi-pro for this Rock River League. Um, and my last uh, good cop moment, I actually ran into my fourth grade Little League coach while I was working for the Milwaukee Brewers. Um, I completely forgot about that, so I'm going to throw that in now. So Nice. Yeah, you I meant to ask you that, actually. I asked you about your first game, and I did mean to ask, like, do you ever play? It's kind of like the American thing. Like, a lot of people do play Little League. Um, yeah. It was it was baseball and soccer. Well, I played everything as a kid. Um, soccer was my big thing because, I mean, I was I was biking a lot, so I, I had cardio like it was going out of style. But um, my problem with baseball was I my eyesight was really bad, so they made me blunt every time. But I was oh, quicker geez. than shit. Um, but it worked. Um, yeah. But, yeah, it was just funny. So this guy came through my line, and, you know, because I worked the gates, and he had a slinger baseball jacket on. I looked at him, and I'm like, you with tennis? And it turns out, I mean, he didn't remember who I was. But yeah. Oh, yeah. So. yeah. I'm sure they get lots of kids going through. And, uh, yeah, after after all those years as well, I'm sure that's – I remember as a teacher, like, I'll have students come up to me and go, do you remember when you were in my, I was in your class? And some I do, but some I don't. Like, I've been – this is actually tomorrow – when I finish my day tomorrow, I'll have been 25 years a teacher. And there's some years where I've had 200 students a year. Uh, typically, it's probably about 150. But when you add that up, that's like 3,750 students. Like, you don't remember them all. And often they, often people, obviously, people change as well. I'm sure you don't look the same as what you did when you were like eight years old playing baseball. So it would be, you'd obviously remember him much better than you would, he'd remember you. And it's kind of, so I can kind of relate to that one. Um, I got a couple of things for my uh, speed check. I want one more college um uh, Thing to talk about and um, the excitement of some of these games um jackson and i talked about the fact that spoiler alert if you haven't listened uh coppin state were down by eight eight runs in the ninth and ninth inning and uh jackson was like they're getting crushed at this point and i was like all right let's go watch the ninth inning they got six runs and they had two runners on base and the time the leading run was up and uh yeah it, it's exciting there's been some good finishes um stanford Number two seeds, I believe, uh, were losing by, let's see if I can work this one out here. I think they were down by five going into the last inning, and they got six runs. <laughs> so things like that, like there's just a lot of excitement in baseball. Like college baseball is never over. Until, like major leagues, if you've got that sort of lead, you bring in your expert, the person you're paying millions of dollars to, and they all close it out most of the time, of course. Um, in college, that just doesn't happen. So, yeah, it's it's exciting to watch some of those games and the comebacks. I think Stanford actually, they got took to game three in the end. Uh, sorry, Connecticut. Oh, my goodness, the right around. It was Stanford versus Connecticut. That was it. Um, I think I did see Stanford advance. I saw that. Um, I saw a story from Benjamin Hill on minor league baseball uh, from Hartford, Connecticut. Uh, Jared Doyen, the PA announcer for the Hartford Yard Goats, describes his style on 
on mic as clear and concise. Don't let Tourette stop you from doing what you love. Uh, really interesting article. Talks about the fact he has Tourette's, which is that where you where you just can't control your voice and often it will result in swearing in, in certain cases. And he said it's just really helped him focus. And then for those 15 seconds, and then he'll obviously switch the mic off if he has to, and then he can come back to the commentary. And he just said that it's kind of, I love it when, when sports and things like that can turn a person's life around. When you could be that person, it's like, that seems, this guy seems a little bit weird, like he's cursing and around. He's found his little niche in life. He's doing something he loves, and it's doing something that's helping his health. So nothing but a good cop moment as far as I'm concerned. That's awesome. Wow. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine being a basement announcer with Tourette, so... That's exactly what they said. Like, if you put those two things together, you wouldn't think it works. But they saw him do, like, game... He obviously didn't just go straight in at that. He was did other levels. I think he said he did the local uh, hockey team as well. Um, I think there was a college team somewhere in there as well at some point. But, yeah, it's something that's just really helped him to do it. So, And they're also hoping they can... He's hoping at some point they can do um, a Tourette's Awareness Day as well uh, for that group as well. So I think some more positive stuff coming out of it. Nice. That's awesome. Holy cow. Yep. So. All right. Well, that was the good. I know traditionally when we ask for our fan cop moments, you normally go, I don't have anything for bad. So I'm not sure how this next segment's going to work, but we'll find out. Good. Bad. All right, Mr. Positivity. Let's see if you could do it. Um, oh. I've been seeing some of the Brewers' results recently, so there's <laughs> something that might stand out possibly. Well, What's uh, your main bad cop moment from the baseball? That, that is definitely part of the bad cop moment, but <laughs> it's not, it's it's it is and it's not. Um, so I talked about earlier how you know Craig Council was my good moment, you know, being uh, having the most wins in Brewers history. Um, but my my bad cop moment is in classic Brewers fashion. Craig Council needs one win to break that record. And what do they do? They go 0-9. people. Um, it's just like that just, if you want to encapsulate my Brewers fandom in general, that's it right there. So, I mean, you couldn't get your manager one win. Out of, I mean, they finally got it, so that's good. Um, of course, they're losing 4 to nothing right now to the Mets. Yep. Um, you know, but uh, yeah. So, so my bad cop moment is um, in. Well, the issue is, I mean, the Brewers historically have not had great pitching. We've had some great pitchers. We've had Teddy Higuera, uh, my boy Ben Sheets. I was a big Ben Sheets yeah. fan. Giovanni uh, Gallardo. We rented CC Sabathia. Um, but the Brewers actually 2021 were. I mean, they got by on their pitching. I mean, our son Corbin Burns won the Cy Young for the Brewers. But what happened was there wasn't getting any runs. So the the pitchers had been stressing out. So now, I mean, Burns gave up five, six runs in three innings. Um, you know, so that's definitely the effect of not being able to hit the ball. So, yeah, in classic Brewers fashion, they just go 0-9 before they can get their, their manager his historic win. So It's the way it goes. I just realized I could have included this in my speed moments, but I didn't. Um, I was about to make a... Um, comment that it sounded like they were trying to emulate the angels um the angels were above 500 i think 10 games above 500 and then lost 14 in a row and uh, they fired their manager joe madden uh, i think it was after 12 or 13 and the story broke um last couple of days joe madden apparently because he's an old manager like uh he's like a classic manager i think he's in his 70s i want to say uh, like the old style of manager apparently he got his hair cut into a mohawk 
to try and like because baseball people are very superstitious like Alex Cora the Red Sox manager shaved his beard off because the Red Sox were doing so bad and then now everything's good and obviously it's because of the beard um yeah, yeah apparently uh, Madden had the mohawk and then he was fired so the players never even got to see it I was like oh <laughs> he went to all that trouble to try and break the curse and uh the players never even got to see it so um Uh-oh. That's kind of a bad cop moment, but I, I just suddenly realized I didn't include that in my notes, but it kind of a parallel in terms of a long losing streak. But Well, I was glad when the, when uh, he left the Cubs because I knew once they signed him, he's, he's the only reason they won a World Series. Uh-huh. So he's gone. I'm like, all right, the Cubs are going to suck for a while again. <laughs> Life is good. So, um, yeah. So, yeah, my, my bad cop you know, moment is just really Brewers, you know, 0-9. Um, you know, another half game be, or a game and a half behind the Cardinals. But, you know, I'd rather them do it in June than in September like they did last year. That's so. the thing with a 162-game season. Like, you're going to have streaks like that throughout that series. It's just the way it goes. Uh, but it's brutal when you're in the middle of those ones for sure. It's just everything just seems to go wrong. And, um, yeah, it's the way it goes. Now, I'm going to start off my bad cop moment by saying, really, this should have been my bad cop moment if we were doing this in April. Now, it's more of an unsure cop moment. But this is one of those ones where I wanted the discussion, but I can't have this type of discussion with Jackson. Now, I'm going to I'm going to give you a little trivia question to start off with, Tom, see if you know where I'm going with this. Uh, Ron Blomberg was the first person to do this. Have you any idea what I'm talking about? Now, there's certain things like if it was in soccer, I would go, oh, yeah, I know these people. Now, I don't know everything about baseball. I have to admit, when I saw that name Ron Blomberg as I was doing my research, it didn't mean anything to me at all. But as a baseball fan, I wonder if it meant anything to you. No. All right. So this is from an article on uh, Sabre.org by John Cronin. Uh, Ron Blomberg uh, was the first designated hitter. So the quote says he stepped into the batter's box on April 6th, 1973, as the Major League's first designated hitter. He sought the advice of one of his Yankees coaches, Elston Howard, on how he should take on this new baseball position. Howard advised him, go hit and then sit down. So for people that don't understand what the designated hitter is, um, it's basically instead of the pitcher actually batting, they have a hired bat who will come in and hit for the pitcher and then they will sit. They don't play any part in the field at all. Now, for this year, they've actually brought this was only the American League that did this for the for the Babe Ruth era and all those people. It's always been no designated hitter. The pitcher bats for himself. And then in the 70s, I could say it kind of went along that line and they decided to split the American League now has a designated hitter. And the National League did not, basically, um, until this season. And I hated that. Like, I know the purists really like the pitcher having to bat for himself because of the tactical side. And uh, it looks like you're agreeing with that. Uh, and me, too. And I was going to kind of ask you a little bit about that. Um, so, anyway, I did a little bit more research on it. It said um, the reason they did it was the MLB realized that good hitting is more important to fans than good pitching. So for that reason, that was one of the reasons why they tried this out. So they tried it out in the International League, the AAA, the minor league system. And they, they introduced the designated hitter for, I think it said, three years. At the end, the American League voted in favor of it and the National League voted against it. And that's why the split came up. Um, they said they were going to try it for three seasons. And then at the end of that, they would make a decision which way they wanted to go with it. At the end of the three seasons, the American League wanted to keep the DH because it raised attendance. And the National League was like, no, we don't want that. And that was where the split came from. I didn't realize that backstory to it, to be honest. Now, what I wanted to ask you then is your follow-up question. So if the American League is using the designated hitter and the National League is not doing that, how do World Series work, Tom, when you have an American League team versus a National League team? 
Well, um, whoever has the, uh, wherever they're playing. So if, um, if they're in the American League ballpark, both teams have the designated hitter. But if they're uh-huh. in the National League ballpark, the pitcher's got to hit. Now, that's what I thought, but there's actually another part of this story that I didn't know. From 1976 through 1985, the designated hitter was employed in the World Series during the even-numbered years, and the pitchers hit for themselves in the odd-numbered years. Now, they said that's my real weak zone. I did not know that side at all. Um, The next compromise was 1986, when it was when in Rome, do as the Romans do era, which is exactly (laughs) what you said. Uh, If it's in the National League Stadium, you play by National league rules and if it's an american league you play by american league rules um the last vote by the national league to adopt the designated hitter was it says during 1980 it was five votes against four in favor and three abstentions and the abstentions counted as no votes so actually 1980 it was really close to actually going to a designated hitter as well you're you're wiping the sweat from your brow right now i'm surprised then it took well and the only reason it's in place now mainly was because of covid that was one of the reasons why it kind of came in they wanted to introduce that factor because during the covid seasons they did have a universal designated hitter so i was kind of surprised it took so long to adopt now getting back to the whole point of this at the start i said if you'd have asked me in april i said this i was really upset by this when i was like everyone's having a designated hitter i was like no do not like this i was furious i was so furious i even wrote the rule down wrong i even i can't remember how i wrote it but i had someone said what on earth are you talking about and i was like oh i did not mean that i've got my words all mixed up i was so angry about it I'm actually softening my stance a little bit and i am curious to kind of see what you think about it um the fact that bryce harper's still getting to play um he's injured can't play the field normally if you're in a national league team if you can't play the field you're not batting he is getting to bat so i'm seeing some positives from it i also like the thing as it was explained to me as well if you have a player who's coming back from injury perhaps they're not ready to go for a whole game straight away but you can put them in the lineup and then when they're not batting you can sit them back down again and then get a little bit of a rest now i can see that some of these arguments are not going to wash with you at all so go ahead tell me tell me i think you think that i think you, you agree that it's a bad cop moment the designated hitter so where, where are you standing on this then I, i'm still upset about it i mean i just <laughs> um you know for i mean all the things you just said i mean that's what the minor leagues are for, not to be that guy, but um, that's why you send them down to get reps down there beforehand. I guess so. I guess so. You know, but that's not the same standard though, as well. Like if you're taking your hits, if you're getting pitched at by a triple A pitcher, that's not the same as receiving your reps against a, a major league pitcher. I'm being devil's advocate. I know well, that round's coming up later. But... It's just, you know, I, and it's funny because I don't, I, I don't mind changing a lot of things, but I guess I'm more of a, a baseball purist. I mean, I just, I just like a pitcher. I mean, he's got to answer for his mistakes. Yeah. You know, pitcher plunks somebody, he comes up to bat. You're open target now. Now they can just plunk people with impunity. Um, you I know. do like the tactical side of it. Like when it was explained to me, it's kind of like a chess match. I like that there's a bit more thinking in it. Like, you got to decide what are you going to do with certain people. Like, you don't want to get through the – like, if you can leave the pitcher to bat the next inning, that's kind of really important because, you know, that's a kind of a guaranteed out. Um, I, I can see it from both sides. If you're going to an event, you do want to see hits. I, I kind of do see that side. Uh, when I think of some of my favorite players, they, they are designated hitters. Like, I'm thinking of Big Pappy right now designated hitter um i actually i'm actually going to still say though i like the fact that i could go to an american league stadium and watch the designated hitter 
but I also like being able to go to a National League stadium and watch the pitcher actually bat themselves. So I think I would still rather it go back to the old way, as it were. But I do like to see the I do like to see the different styles of batting for sure. Yeah, and and let's, yeah, and the Brewers were in the American League till 1998. Oh, they were. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So yeah, they were. Yeah, they switched over. So I mean, you know, I, I got designated hitter a, as a kid, but. Uh-huh. You no, know, I just like I like the strategy, you know, the double switches, and you know, yeah. and like when teams would be different, like they'd pit, they'd hit their pitcher like seventh or eighth, you yeah. know, every team put ninth, but I'm like, it makes sense, you put yeah. them eighth, seventh or eighth, and then you've got two, you know, so I don't That's, like, you know, I'm glad I asked this this week then because I did not realize that you because I was thinking you, I was like, all right, so he's Brewers, National League, like he's obviously used to the not designated hitter. He's not going to like the designated hitter. I did not realize you grew up with a designated hitter. Yeah. Then you went to not having a designated hitter and yeah. you actually still prefer that. I think normally under those circumstances, people are going to go with their first love and yeah. uh, probably go with a designated hitter. So now nah, I picked a perfect time. I did not know the Brewers would switch like that. I yeah. did say that's my very murky area. So yeah, nine. I would not have known that at all. So was that when the Marlins came up then? I'm trying to figure out why there would have been a switch. Was there a new team added? Oh, I guess the Diamondbacks would have been one of the teams that was added. Well, Diamondbacks and Marlins, but I, they realigned the divisions because at that time it was two divisions yeah. in each league, so they wanted to make third. So they want and there was only 14 teams. Yeah. Or there was two divisions of seven. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, the Diamondbacks and the Marlins came up. So, um, but yeah, they're both National League teams. So, yeah, um, hmm. I should know this. Perhaps it wasn't the Marlins then. It was definitely the Diamondbacks. I know that for sure. Um, but yeah, and I know that for sure because I was misquoted. Uh, the first ever Nationals game, um, I was interviewed and asked by the local paper, like, what would I think? Like, what are the Nationals going to be like in a few years' time? Blah, blah, blah. And I said, hey, I said, like, you just never know. I said, they could be like the, uh, the Diamondbacks and um, possibly win it all within the first few years. And after that, though, the Diamondbacks really dropped off after that World Series. I think Schilling retired, Johnson retired, players left and that. And I was quoted as saying that the Nationals might be as good as the Diamondbacks. And I was furious that I got misquoted because I did not say that at all. Well, well, the Nationals, they, I mean, they're an existing franchise. They weren't a brand new yeah. team. So the Diamondbacks started from scratch. Uh-huh. Um, and ironically enough, when I was talking earlier about, um, you know, the Brewers were the second longest franchise. The other franchise that actually had the Brewers beat was the Expos slash Nationals. Yeah. The Expos um, were not a great team, though, and at that time. At that time. They weren't, except for that 94 team with the strike. When the strike, correct. That team was ridiculous, and they would have won the World Series. Yep. Um, yeah, it would have a monumental collapse for them to, uh, um, yeah. I mean, Gary Carter, Pedro Martinez was on that team. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You know, Vlad Guerrero, I think, at that time as well, possibly? Or was that a little before that? I think that was just maybe. It was around there. So, oh, he's he's one of my favorite players. That dude that dude was so good. I wish I could have written down the stat. I saw this on Twitter today. It shows you um, Vlad Guerrero's stats from the first. It's like 432 games or something. It's like a really big number. And they show you his son's stats from the first 432 num- uh, games as well. They have the exact same OBS, and they have the exact same number of home runs. And it's like, oh, my God, that's ridiculous that they could have. Like, yeah, like father, like son. Like, to be exactly. Like, you measure that to, like, thousands, the OBS, and they're exactly the same. I was like, wow, that's that's yeah. pretty impressive. 
I would, yeah, I wish Tony Gwynn's son would have done the same thing, but he's a former, mm-hmm. so. Yep, yep. Gwynn, that guy played for 20 years and struck out 400 times. Yeah, that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Oh, that's what I should have mentioned, actually. Uh, that game, uh, the first game I was at, I um, Tony Gwynn was there because it was his final season. So they were parading him around. And he was like waving to the fans. Yeah. I, I'm trying to remember if Cal was there with him. I don't know if they were. I don't think they were touring together. But I think that was probably more at the All Star game when they were kind of together. But yeah, Tony Gwynn was there at that game. I was like, cool. Yeah, back That's to great. when the All Star game was an exhibition, but. That's yep. an Actually, I think it is back to an exhibition. That whole home field advancing was bullshit, but that's <laughs> we'll be here all night for me to get up my soapbox about that. This so. is this is why I'm inviting you back on in a month's time because I'm sure I'm hoping we got. I don't. I'm hoping we're not out of material after one episode, or else this will be a very short run. All right, what do you got for ninety seconds though? Anything else that you got that's quick that you considered bad? Bad cop is, um, I wish I had the specifics, but it seems like there's a lot of blown umpire calls in <laughs> baseball this year. Um, it seems like everyone's losing their mind, which, I mean, this thing's happened. Um, you know, it's just like Angel, I know Angel Hernandez and yeah. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But what I'm scared of is they're actually going to go completely computerized from uh-huh. um, the way they're just losing their bleeping minds over um, – all these blown calls, yep. you know, I mean, I understand the instant replay. I get it, you know, um, but if they go to completely computerized empires, I mean, they already got the thing on TV, you know, where you got the yeah. strike zone. No, strike zone. Yeah. Um, my bad cop moment is all these blown calls are going to turn into, we're not even going to have umpires in the field anymore. Well, the reason I'm laughing is because it was almost like, is he reading my notes? Um, I had two things. Uh, one was the the college games. Um, the first round was all on ESPN Plus, so I got to watch all the Coppin State games, which was great. The uh, Super Regionals were not on ESPN Plus. It was on ESPN Two, which I don't have, so I couldn't want, I couldn't continue the story, unfortunately. And then the second one I had blown calls by umpires this year, <laughs> Angel and Hernandez specifically. Um, in one of his games, it was his accuracy was only like eighty five percent, which you think if he did a test and you got 85 percent you'd be like that's pretty good but for balls and strikes that's terrible that's absolutely awful because some of them are just so obvious that you so yeah there's a lot going on actually while i was watching the start of your brewers game while you were finishing up your last podcast there was one that was clearly on the outside that was called a strike and then it changed the whole count though instead of being instead of being three and uh, i think it's supposed to be three and instead hold on let me get this right instead of being three and one it made it two and two and that made a big difference. And then the next one, of course, he swung at it, and then um, he got out, and he looked around at the umpire, and he's like, "Hey, look, you put me in this hole because that was clearly outside." And it was. So I don't know. Like I've asked Jackson this. I was like, "What do you think about having all computerized? If it improves accuracy, how is that a bad thing?" Yeah, I'm being devil's advocate right now. It's yeah, yeah. I I, I just missed the human element part of it. I mean, it's you know, and there's been some pretty legendary blown mistakes and. You know, yeah. of course, there's the conspiracy theorist in me where I'm like, they're really pushing this year. Like, I mean, like every blown call is like the end of the world. Like, I mean, I log into work. It says, you know, really big letters. Umpire blows call for the, you know. Uh-huh. So they, they, I'm just nervous because they haven't really advertised like that before. So, 
Now, I'm allowed, as a Brit, I'm allowed more than one team. So my teams were, I started watching the Braves more because I was in North Carolina and it was on Turner every day I was in the States uh, for the first two years. So I, I really got into the Braves, but I like the Red Sox as well. Um, the Braves, I know there was one particular game when it was clearly a ball, but it was called a strike. And there was like two runners on base and it kind of made the whole difference in that game. That They turned the whole game around. So those one single plays, you might be like, well, it's a single play. That can affect whole games, though. It yeah. really can. It can make a big difference. Um, I'm not sure on things like that. I, I think what they need to do is I don't think you're allowed to challenge. There's challenges that you can do on the field, but I don't think you're allowed to challenge balls and strikes. I, I believe that's the correct ruling. And if that's true, and you can correct me in a second if it's not, then I think that should be something that they allow you to use your challenges for. If there's an important pitch, particularly when the, you're on two strikes and it's two outs and it's the bottom of the eighth or the bottom of the ninth or whatever it is, I think you should be allowed to use your, char, uh, your challenge to say, I want to argue that that call was called a strike or it was called a ball. And then you can do the strike zone thing and check it. No, you don't want to. Do, I understand. I wouldn't want it to use it the whole time either. I like the human element. But I think there's certain pitches that are too important not to check. Yeah, I'm with you. It's, you know, and, and I get it. But um, in baseball, um, we'll talk about this next time. But baseball is in a very weird spot because – um, not to be the old guy yelling at clouds, but I mean, kids don't have the attention span that they, they you know, that they used to. And like, you know, they've got these pitch clocks and all this other crap. Uh-huh. It's like, I don't know. See, me personally, sure, I want to see a slugfest. That's always fun. But, dude, give me a, you know, a two to one pitcher's duel. I'll watch uh-huh. that day of the week, too. Yeah. You know. Oh, I'm always I'm always upset when the first hit happens because I'm always hoping, hey, this could be the no hitter. This could be the perfect game that I get to see. So no, I'm always happy with some defense in there as well. So yeah, yeah. All right, um, I think that does it for bad cop. Oh. We normally do on the regular show. We obviously we have fan cop moments. Uh, and I literally remembered about 30 minutes ahead of time. And I was like, oh, crap. I, I know we don't have. Anyway, I put the message out. Um, I'm, my phone switched off for Wi-Fi right now. Um, I did ask one person. I did ask RJ from the ringside rant because I know that he's a big baseball fan. Unfortunately, he's been very busy this week. Um, and the one he came up with was uh, Tennessee losing. <laughs> I said, I already got that one. And I said, and he said, I think that's it. And I was like, I'm really surprised. Like, I honestly thought you'd be mentioning, because he's a big Yankees fan, Aaron Judge being so far ahead in the home run chase right now. Um, he's on pace to beat the uh, Yankees single season home run record. I think he's on pace for about 65. So Roger Maris is 61. Uh, Babe Ruth was 60. And this is his year where he's due for free agency next year. So he could be commanding a massive salary. And this is a season when home runs are down as well. So the fact that he's so far ahead, I think he might be seven or eight ahead at this point, which is a ridiculous number. Um, And he said, yeah, sure, that. So (laughs) I'll take a bit of an assist on that one. But we're on the same page with Tennessee. That was a huge story that they they were expected to just kind of breeze through and it didn't happen. So next week, I'll try and make a better effort to try and get that out. And I'll probably tag a few baseball people if I can. Uh, But yeah, so no fan cop moments this week, unfortunately. But that's more my fault. A couple of retweets. So yeah, no, no. So next week, so Left it too late. I normally give 48 hours notice for the wrestling one. This one was like, yeah, you got 30 minutes if you can think of anything, but ha, whatever. Um, no uh, open agenda, because I oh. think unless there's anything specific you wanted to talk about. Well, real quick. So you said um, Roger Maris was the Yankees home run? Oh, I hope I'm not messing. I, I was doing that off the top of my head. I'm hoping that's true. Are you going to call me out? Okay, so he is the Yankees 
career, but you know there's a yeah. there's another, okay. Oh, I know. I'm not talking about Bonds. I'm talking. About, I, I said Yankees. Okay, okay gotcha. Yeah, yeah, single yeah. season. You're right. Although some people don't count those anyway. That that's actually been. I've heard that people ask that. They're like, "Who do you consider the home run leader for a season? Like, do you consider Bonds or do you consider some? I'm surprised they went back as far as Maris, but I guess. Um, I'm guessing the other people on that list are probably tainted as well. Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa's 66. Yeah. Um, so, um, but yeah, he's it's certainly going to be a, a monumental season if he can keep that pace going. And right now he's looking good. Um, there's still a, probably 100 games to go. So who knows how it's going to oh, go. I didn't know. I mean, I knew he was knocking the cover off the ball, but I mean, yeah. Um, yeah and Hank Aaron, obviously I'm, I'm biased in being, you know, mostly in Milwaukee, but, you know, the career home run leader. Do you know what the most home runs Hank Aaron ever hit in a season? Uh, it's not many. Um, did he even hit probably about 40? Yeah, 49 was his highest. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. That guy, it, like, it just his longevity. Yeah, just, I mean, averaging 25 home runs for 20 years, just. Yeah. Oh. And I'll take you to the spot where his final home run landed next time you're in Milwaukee, so. Oh, that's yeah. interesting. Yeah, there's a nice little plaque in the parking lot. because so, so, basically, um. So when you're at Miller Park, did you notice the little league field that was like right in front of it? Uh, I'm trying to visualize it right now, and I'm all I'm seeing is the parking lot. So no. Okay, yeah. So there's a little league. Um, so basically, that little league is where County Stadium was, the old stadium. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. So home plate's not where home plate is, but there is a spot where home plate was. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, the ball poles are from the old County Stadium. So yeah, they developed a nice little little league um, field on there. So. Um, the last time I played trap balls on there, so okay, sorry, another tangent. Surprise. No, I was trying to remember a fact, and I wasn't confident, so I didn't say it. When you talked about the uh, the Negro League uh, Hall of Fame in Kansas City, I have like a book called Roadside Baseball, and it tells you like in different states, places you can go see. And I remembered in Kansas City, I want to say it's Babe Ruth's final home run was hit in Kansas City. It's either Babe Ruth or Lou Gehrig, and I'll try and do my homework, and next time we talk, I'll try and make sure I can find out exactly which one it was. But I know I went to try and look for that as well i don't remember if i found it or not i'll have to look back in my pictures but, <laughs> but yeah i like little things like that so no that would definitely be uh that would definitely be interesting to me all right my favorite part of regular good cop bad cop no no how it's gonna work for baseball version but let's bring on that devil's advocate Matt, I am totally lost without you. I should just clip your voice and just put it in at the start here so you can be part of it. This is the segment of the show where we have to defend a hot take that's baseball-related this week. Um, Whether we agree with it or not, we clearly will not. It will generally be something that is ridiculous, but our task is to defend it for 20 seconds. Uh, Tom, I'll give you the choice. Would you like to deliver or receive a devil's advocate first? Well, I think I'll receive because I'll probably piss you off with mine, so I'm going to go with receiving. So, um, but do we have an attorney for any? Uh, if there's any complaints about these, um, it's normally Micah Pellegrini. Okay. Um, I don't know if we have a baseball one specifically, but we'll we'll, we'll say it's him. Uh, if you have any problems with what we say, then contact at Dying Former. I think that will work. I think that'll work pretty good. All right. So mine for you. I we'll go with a little bit of a softball for week one. I didn't want to, I, I was gonna come up with a mean one. I was like, nah, I'm not I'm not I gotta build up gradually. I don't wanna go in too hard week one. All right, so with three teams winning forty one percent or less of their games going into the weekend, the NL Central should be renamed the NL Worst. Oh, by far. I mean listen, yeah, I mean you I mean just with the Cubs alone. 
Um, I mean, the Cubs, I mean, yeah, this is by far the worst division in baseball. Obviously, you got the Brewers and the Cardinals far above everybody, but the Reds, sorry, Brent and Beaumont, you guys are just horrible. Pirates, which breaks my heart. I love Pittsburgh, but Cubs, just alone, worst division ever. There you go. That's how to do it. Uh, yeah, I, I was thinking of the NL East, the NL Central, the NL West, and I was like, oh, that sounds like worst. And then I looked at the division, and I was like, no, nah, I'm not going to attack your Brewers this time. But I was like, yeah, the rest of the team, it's uh, that definitely helps your division when you got three teams uh, who are really struggling like that this season. To have them all in, that might be a conversation for another time, but I know some people were upset that the, um, the two wild cards right now in the AL – are, have a better record than one of the teams that's winning one of the other divisions in the American League. And they were like, is that fair? And that's a very good question. It, I feel sorry for the Orioles. I, they could spend $100 million and they're still going to finish fifth because they're just in that tough division. So, yeah, I, I understand why they do it for geography reasons, but it's yeah. uh, it's tough. It's tough. Beautiful ballpark, though. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm heading back there in uh, two, three weeks time. Uh, something we'll, we haven't mentioned on JGB, but something that's going to be kind of exciting. So uh, keep listening to JGB and we'll give some more updates on that. All right, go ahead. Attack my Red Sox then, Tom. I'm ready for it. All right. So I'm going to go back way back machine, but uh, this is kind of some low hanging fruit. But uh, Graham, uh, please defend the fact that uh, the Red Sox trading Babe Ruth is by far the best move they could have ever done in their franchise history. Well, absolutely. Baseball at that time was just a sport. People just did it for fun at that time. The reason they sold him was so Harry Frazee could put on his um, put on his show. I think it was an opera or it was a play or something. That's the important stuff. If you think of New York, you're thinking about 34th Street. You're thinking about Broadway. You're thinking about all those things. If he hadn't done that, there would have been no chance to live. Was it No, 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 No? I think that's what it was called. Wow. I'm, I'm really delving into my history there. I'm hoping that, that some of that's accurate. Yeah, I think it was no, 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 no. I think that was the. Um, yeah, it was. So the trade was. So they got the player. They received a hundred thousand. I think it was a hundred thousand or eighty thousand. It was a lot of money at that time. But he also received a loan for, I believe, $300,000. So he could go and put on his play on Broadway, and it totally bombed. <laughs> he lost all the money from it, pretty much. And, uh, yeah, it, it did not work out well. But at the time, you could, I could kind of see why he would do that. Like, if you got a player as big as Babe Ruth, but you're getting that loan of 300000 I assume it was with no interest or something, then. I can kind of – I don't think they realized – they didn't realize what, how good he was going to be. Like, he never hit that many home runs for Boston. He didn't. That's because he was pitching. He was pitching. I understand that. But he still batted every few days as well. But, yeah, yeah and nobody could have anticipated how good Babe Ruth was going to be. But, yeah, it was <laughs> the worst trade of all time, I would guess. Well, it's funny. If you put the 100000 300000 so in today's terms, um, the reason I know this, I'll explain afterwards, is only about $8.8 million, which in today's, which in today's money – in baseball terms, it's not a lot of money. No, it's not. No. And the only reason I know that is because when I did the review, the sting I was talking about earlier, they were talking about this money. So I did the, the calculation when they're doing $500, it was 20 times. So that's how I know uh-huh. probably about 22 times. Yeah. So I don't know that stuff off the top of my head. I'm not that bright, Graham. So you've all people. I thought you were an economist. I would say the math person in me was like, wow, that's impressive. Like, and where you could pull those figures off the top of your head like that. That was yeah, good. Really? We've hung out in real life, so you know I'm not that bright. So that's the reason I know that. So, 
Now, we didn't ask you to promote your shows at the start because we know that they're specifically wrestling related, but f- feel free, please. You Tell us about all the different podcasts if you like. You can tell us where we can find them. We all know it's Vision is Double Media. Certainly promote social media, anything else you want to promote. Um, well, you can find me at High Five Tom. Um, that's the number five, not five spelled out. Shout out to Chad. Um, but I technically have four podcasts, two that are actually wrestling related. Um, one's just the Midwestern Wrestling Roundup, which is part of VFTR. Um, where I just basically go over all the Midwest shows and I interview promoters. Uh, this week I have friend of VFTR, Jerry. I'll ref Jerry to talk on uh, ICW Milwaukee. Uh, last week I had my friend Trent for AAW. Um, that's part of VFTR, but also found on Visionaries Globe Media. Uh, then weekly um, I have my Ring of Honor Revelry uh, TV show where me and my friend Will, we go over Ring of Honor TV from 2012 because neither of us watched it. Uh, so it's just a week-by-week review. Um, hopefully, Will and I get a chance to, to team up on Good Cop, Bad Cop sometime before the end of the year. Um, and then I have two kind of random podcasts that come out kind of whenever. Uh, one that was Graham was on. Uh, that was episode 2.3. It's a, um, Basically, it's a showcase episode. So I just review movies. Um, we do books, albums, um, stuff like that. So like Graham and I did an awesome review of Die Hard. Last time I found it's uh, episode 2.3. And then my uh, my last podcast called the Chopping It Up series, uh, where I just have conversations with with friends. Um, you know, as I talked to you know talked about earlier, my buddy Mike, I had a conversation with him. He's a semi uh, pro ball player. Uh, my buddy John's a streamer. Uh, my buddy Chris is a camera guy for the um, for um, you know wrestling shows. And I do podcast origin stories, which we did. You know, the origin story of VFTR. Um, Brain Buster Boys are next. And then hopefully early July, I forgot to ask Graham and Matt, but hopefully I can get a, a good cop, bad cop origin story. Because um, I'm not sure even if I know it, to be honest with you. Because um, I'm only about 85 episodes in with you guys. So. Uh-huh. I think we told it earlier. I think we've told it on uh, Zachary Shiloh's podcast. But yeah, I, I think probably it's not been told for a while, that's for sure. So, And there's, and listen, all these podcasts are really just to put things over. You know, the Midwestern Wrestling is just to put over Midwest Wrestling. Uh, the yeah. Ring of Honor is to put over Ring of Honor. Uh, the showcases are to put over movies and sometimes be by myself. But, yeah, the Chopping Up series is really to get people's stories out there. Um, yeah. You know, I, I bartended off and on for 20 years, uh, many years in retail. Um, and one thing I've learned is everybody's got a story and most of them don't get to get told, so that's yeah that's definitely true and as a teacher you quickly find that out if you talk to students as well when you're outside when it's outside that seat when you don't have to worry about the daily grind of talking about the exams and things like that when you get a chance to talk to students they've often got a lot of stuff that's really interesting to hear as well so i'm with you 100 percent on that well and teachers too like i remember the first time i actually realized one of my teachers like a human being i was like Yeah. Ran into my my creative writing teacher in a bathroom of a bar one time. I'm like, wait, you don't live at school? I, mean, <laughs> I was just about to say that's the, yeah. the common thing. I think that's what people think when they're younger, and it's uh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. They have a life outside, yeah, and they don't realize that at all. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's just a fun way to listen. I just did a um a review of the movie Sting with my buddy Perch, who is most knownly because because he's one of the he's the best referee in the Midwest. Um, but like me and you, like talking. Obviously, we met each other through wrestling, but you know, we're getting here talking Die Hard and baseball. So yeah. Oh, I loved talking Die Hard. Um, I just found actually it's on uh, YouTube. It's on uh, YouTube Movies, so anyone who wants to watch it can watch it for free right now. 
Um, I still haven't gone back and watched the. I said I was going to watch. I can't remember if it's four or five that I didn't remember seeing. I bought those DVDs in April. I still haven't got around to watching it. I got two months, so hopefully I'm going to catch up on all that stuff. Yeah, and I meant to watch Hudson Hawk again for your recommendation. I started it, but it's it's interesting. I it's different. I love that film. <laughs> yeah, it so. makes me laugh so much. My wife can watch it stone faced. She's like, "This is stupid." I hate this film, and um, I like that makes me like it even more that I can find it amusing, and she just doesn't understand why I like it at all. But hey, that's the way it goes. Tom, thank you for being the guest on episode one. Um, the original the plan is right now to kind of run us for two months while I'm over the summer, so probably about a month's time, if you're available, we'll bring you back, and we can uh, talk some more baseball. Awesome. Yes, yeah, thank you so much, Graham. I had, I had a blast, as always. It's always good to talk to you one way or another, so... I have no idea how this is finishing. <laughs> I think this is good. And cut. I was trying to think of some clever baseball thing, and I couldn't think of anything. So, yeah. boom. There we go. Yeah. All right. Get up, get up, get up, get out of here. Gone. Oh, wait. Do I have a good... Oh, yeah. I could just about hear him in the background. Uh, it wasn't very good. It was a home run call, but yeah. <laughs> Music was Happy Happy Game Show by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. HTTP colon slash slash creativecommons.org slash licenses slash by slash 3.0 slash.